Hey everybody, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called Try Walking a Mile in My Shoes. <laughs> so I think oftentimes people like to give advice and people become real resistant to advice because there's this inner voice that kind of says, what do you know? Have you walked a mile in my shoes? So let's get into both sides of that because it's a very interesting line to walk. (laughs) All right, guys, here we go. Thanks for joining today. Well, nobody likes to be told what to do, let's face it. It's like little kids digging in their heels, right? Don't tell me how to think, how to feel, what to, you know, what I'm thinking, any of that. It's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want advice that's unsolicited. I don't want advice that even is solicited, but feels like a finger point. You know, there's a lot of things that come up. We like to be independent thinkers, and we made our decisions based on some kind of solid ground. Like, whether or not it was correct or not, we made that decision because in the moment it felt right. And so nobody wants to have somebody pointing out either the obvious or um, just pointing out uh, different ways to do things or look at things. Um, Even healthy debate and like conversation around things can just get us all kind of up in our stuff. I've been seeing a lot of that lately, so I wanted to talk about it in today's topic. I just think that, um, man, it kind of goes to the whole whole oversensitivity thing that I think is happening a lot with a lot of us. Um, we can be super sensitive to a lot of topics, but especially when it comes to our own thoughts and beliefs and feelings, don't tell me how I feel, right? It's awful. No one wants that. But how do we then be good supporters and listeners and like, oh my gosh, it is a hard, hard line. Um, And I think a lot of relationships have been hurt because of this. I think if you don't figure out how to balance it all and how to be because everybody's different, right? I mean, everybody wants it differently. Some people are all open to that. Like, go ahead, give it to me straight. And other people are like, what are you telling me about me? (laughs) Right? So this came to me this week because, well, first I had a, um, a person come to me and say, Hey, um, I'm curious if you can help my son. Like they're having a struggle right now, but they are unwilling to go anywhere, to talk to anybody. You know, they say nobody listens. And I think, I mean, this is partly why so many people have this stigma around counseling and help. And that needs, that wall needs to come down a bit because it's an important thing. But um, I get it. Like my inner self, like, fights this all the time. So from my point of view, when I first lost my husband, it was like people were saying, well, you might want to talk to somebody. And even that advice that I might want to talk to somebody made me dig in my heels a bit because it's like, well, how do you know? How do you know if I'm like not doing well or if I'm doing okay? And, and the same thing with my kids. Maybe you should get your kids in to talk to somebody. It's like, oh, you know, I mean, let's just say loss makes you feel stripped of all control anyway. So anybody offering a what you should do next is a hard hit, but Um, forget the world of loss. In general, people just don't want to be told. It's almost like saying, pointing a finger and saying, you've got a problem. You should go talk to somebody, you know? And, oh, and then talking to somebody sometimes feels like, I mean, I've sat there with somebody who all they did was listen. They just like nodded and listened and they didn't contribute. They just heard me. And I felt judged and I felt 
um, annoyed and I, I mean, cause we want that friendship type interaction where there's a little conversation in response to what we said, not the, Oh, how did it make you feel like no one? Oh, uh. So how do we get rid of that stigma? How do we get rid of the feeling of like somebody's just sitting there and about to dole out some advice that I don't want that they have no right giving because they don't know what I'm going through. You know what I mean? Like, how do we drop that act? Oh, it's so hard, guys. This topic is a tough one. And there's going to be a lot of people all over the place on this. Um, I think the one place we can all agree that is the delicate balance that has to be figured out is how to respect that somebody knows what they need um, above anything else because our inner worry for someone else can start making us go oh my gosh I need to, like they need to get help they need to talk to somebody what else can I do for them because we don't want to abandon somebody when they're in their greatest need and we can recognize in them they're not in a good space like as a friend shouldn't I be offering something to help fix this for them so I feel like it comes from a good place often um, but just remember when you're on the receiving end of stuff like that, what that feels like. It feels like, ugh, you're not doing so good. You really should get some help with this. You're not managing it on your own well. The way you're grieving is not the right way or the way that you're um, emotionally handling this situation or whatever it is, you know? It's like you could use some professional help. It's like saying you are not enough. You need to seek beyond yourself because you aren't doing this well. That's what it feels like from a receiver's point of view. I will just tell you right up front, that's what my experience was. And I think many people relate to that because, I mean, geez, if I can deal with everything that's been doled out to me lately, like I should be able to handle, you know, figuring out whether or not I need to go talk to somebody or not and should be able to like, you know, oy, 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 oy. but there's a but here. There's also a place where people are sinking and grasping and not being able to get a good handle. And then they start reaching for things like bad habits, um, you know, drug, alcohol, abuse, whatever it is, gambling, sex addiction, whatever it is, I don't know, um, all kinds of things to try to sort of dull out pain. And so sometimes these things start to feel th like threatening. And so loved ones quickly need are like, no, we need to get them help. I'm still not entirely sure that that conversation can come from that place because now imagine you're the one in the headspace of like, I just need to numb everything, right? And now you've got loved ones coming at you hard hitting saying, pointing out the flaws you're already well aware of in yourself and saying, now you need to go beyond and get help. It feels like another layer of burden being added. So sometimes it's the catalyst to people tipping over the edge because it's like now other people around me are witnessing that I'm falling apart. Like I thought I was, I was barely hanging on here, but now I'm realizing, no, it's spilled over and people are noticing. Oh, ugh. You know, I mean, so again, delicate balance from both sides, because what then do you do to support somebody? How do you get them there? Like, that's not easy. Um, nobody wants to walk away and not be there. But this is my advice to family, friends, you know, loved ones, whatever. 
um, I think often it's being there but not pushing opinions on because often it's like the counselor part is the part that they're resisting because it feels like a stranger and what do you know, right? And a family member or friend can feel like a safe spot, but not if they're feeling judgment or um, this push to go talk to someone else or whatever. So if you are that soft landing spot right now and you're feeling like, oh, this is over my head or, oh, I feel like they're on the edge. I don't, I mean, talk to them about it even maybe in a different way. Not like a, hey, you need to go talk to someone, but like a, um, I love being the one you're talking to about this. I want to make sure you're always safe. Will you please ever tell me if it, this is becoming too much? Like if you're really di like dangerously walking a line or whatever, then together we'll figure something out. But like, please just let me know if that ever comes up or I don't know. I really don't. There's not a, a solid answer to this topic today. I just kind of want to pose both sides and talk it through a bit so you can kind of understand why sometimes this is such a hard thing to, you know, navigate. Boy, um, kids are like a whole nother level because as a parent, there's this feeling of responsibility over our children at any age um, and making sure we're doing right by them. Um, I've definitely had some people offering their two cents lately from a loving place about what they think my kids need. I'm trying to walk the balance of like all the things I've already thrown at them, coupled with now adding more onto a busy schedule and having to make choices of time to do things. And there's so much involved, guys. And you know your kids the best, whether they're younger or older, you know what they will respond to and what will make them go further into the you know depths of worry and stress and whatever. Um, oh, it's hard, but as, I mean, all of us know as a parent, anybody who has children knows it is one of the most triggering things when people try to tell you how to basically manage your own children or what you should be doing for them or what they notice or any of that. It's like, these are my babies and I've cared for their heart with everything that's within me for their entire life. Like I need to make sure that I'm still the one that makes the ultimate choice here because for now anyway when they're little they have to be for me um you know those decisions made by me but when in adulthood you know as a parent you still have that feeling of being the one who cares the most about them and their well-being right and watching over it for as long as you're on this earth um and Yep. Um, no easy way around or through this one. Um, my, like all kids are different, you know, and I will say on the one hand, I have like two very different kids with very different management styles. Like when I parent both my kids, only I would know this, but one of mine responds incredibly well to like, uh, like a firm, you're doing something wrong and you need to fix it. That's it. Like, it's like, this can't happen anymore. And then almost to tears, like they feel that much like impacted by that talk. Just saying like, Hey, you could, you need to be like picking up your clothes at night and stuff. Make sure you're folding them and putting them in a pile and like near tears because that's just his way. He doesn't like to disappoint people, um, adults, especially and always likes to be doing all the right things. And so it's like a, a personal, like, oh no, I've been failing kind of thing that happens within him. So I have to talk super gentle. Um, and 
And if anything, he has a tougher exterior, so you would think this is not a very sensitive kid. Um, you know, he can take like a firm talking to. Well, the couple times he's been matched up with a teacher who had that approach, it's not been great. Um, he does crumble, like he does, he'll hold it back, fight back the tears, whatever, but it's there. It's a, an emotional trigger for him. So now my other one is the exact opposite. I could scream, yell, and make a big old stink, take away everything he loves, doesn't matter. Nothing's gonna change his game. Like it's what it is is what it is. And this isn't an age thing, this is a personality difference because this has been the way since he was little to the point where we created like um like a rewards thing that basically when he did right we added a sticker on and if he got like you know five to seven in a row i don't remember what it was then he could pick a prize from the prize bin and the reason we did that when he was tiny was because he responded to positive rewards always um like he needed the positive encouragement for the things he's doing right and no acknowledgement of the things going wrong. Because the things going wrong, if you focused on that, got them all stressed out and whatever. But if you just stayed focused on like, wow, this is working really well, you're gonna get a ton more of that coming out of him. And I like to think most of us are this way. Because, I mean, I know there's a million different personalities out there, but in large part, we wanna be promoted for what we're good at. And it feels like a lack if we don't get that. and especially for a kid I think that fumbles a bunch it's really hard if all you're focusing on all the time is you need to do this you need to stop doing that it's just like a repeat thing to the point where I think they kind of stop hearing it to be honest and so a reward type system is more like encouragement and feels like from a place of love now if you translate this into adulthood it could work the same I'm imagining that for you know people that are really get bent out of shape and start to like resist any kind of help um just encouraging when they're having a great moment just being like oh it's so good to see you like this i've missed this like that might be better off than when they're in the like having an extra drink that you're noticing or having a bad day and kind of grumpy pointing that out to them like hey have you considered counseling yet like no maybe not wait until they retreat to their room and are cold and dark and whatever to then point that out but instead just be like waiting for the moment even if it's just a glimmer in a second and you see a little spark of their soul back awake giving them a good kudos and being like this is good i like this i like to see this in you like this is awesome i'm proud of you you've come a long way like i know you're still struggling but i love this you know maybe just that um i know it's a constant check-in for me because i know this in my brain but the impulse when you see the things falling apart is when it's more apt to want to like jump in and speak up and so that's where you, you might find yourself having to like hold back a little bit you know even when people are like positively encouraging me you gotta watch your tone and how you do it i have like some family members that when they're trying to do it it's like you still feel i don't know how do you explain it it's like there's a difference between Oh, that's so good. I love that. That's amazing. Or like, I think that's a wonderful thing you're doing. That's an, that's such a good way and an outlet to get it out. Um, no, I think you should continue to do that. And, and it sounds like you're talking to a counselor. It's like, what just happened here? Like, are you, we're not having a conversation anymore. I feel like I'm being counseled. 
And so that's a tough one because it does bring you into a space of like, I still feel like they're watching my every move and waiting for me to fail. Um, and from that place, people have a hard time succeeding. So as I've always talked about, we have to keep facing the light. We have to keep looking at the good stuff. And this goes from either side of this, whether you're the person trying to support somebody else through something or the person going through something, um, to focus on what's failing, how the struggle has taken you down, what you've lost, any of that stuff. Um, that will definitely, I would say 100% of the time, lead to more failure, you know? Um, I truly do believe in my heart, and this is just my opinion, not my medical opinion, but I truly believe in my heart that staying focused on what's right, the bits of gratitude you still have, the things that are still okay, and even if it's just okay right now, um, and staying in that headspace is so much better um, because once you start going down that road of like just, I don't know, sitting in the dark, it's real hard to come out of and it's real easy to keep attracting more of it and find more of it on your plate. Um, it's just not healthy. And, uh, well, I can tell you, I woke up this morning feeling just awful. I had conversations last night before I went to bed that didn't feel good. Nothing was resolved. I was like in limbo, didn't feel good. So I got up, I had to do a little meditation. I had to do a little gratitude practice. I had to like walk for a bit, sit in the sun, think on it. And then I had to fix it. It was like, I couldn't just let the negativity linger that was sort of surrounding me because it felt like a black cloud. I had to just address it. And so that's a tough thing too, is sometimes like in relationships with other people or in circumstances at work or whatever it is, if it's looming, people aren't big on confrontation or like facing something head on, especially when, you know, the, it doesn't call for it necessarily, but if it's really weighing on your mind, it's important because you can't just carry that around or shove it down. Um, I was kind of trying to do that and just move forward and I, I knew it wasn't going to work. I knew it was just going to linger and grow because what you focus on grows. So it couldn't do that. I had to like really find a way for my focus to be in a better space. And so I just started talking. I just started spilling out my heart and soul. Um, and when I did, you know, most of the time when you do that, guys, it gets received. It gets, it comes back to you with a good, um, I mean, even if it's not what you want to hear, it's resolution. It's information that you need because the limbo state is really, will allow your mind to make up stories. Um, I say this a bunch too, but I think when there's an absence of good communication, you find a way to fill in the blanks and make up your own stories that often aren't the truth. They're just like your biggest fears coming forward and um, expectations that aren't right. And so it's so important to really clear things up with people and just talk more. The more we talk, I know it's exhausting sometimes. It's not like we're all, all talkers. Um, it's emotional. Um, one of my earliest grief clients, I remember, saying that they never spoke of her mom's loss. And this was, she was a teenager and now she was in her, I don't even know, 30s, 40s. Um, I don't remember anymore. But I know that years had passed and they just didn't speak of her mom. And so now there was a next generation being born. And I was like, this is just a beautiful opportunity 
to start talking. I mean, it, I know it hurts, and I know you're afraid if you bring it up, you're going to hurt the person you're talking to, and I know they're probably thinking the same thing. I don't want to bring up this raw subject. Let's just keep it light. But that is brushing stuff under the rug like that often leads to bad things. I mean, so anyway, long story short, she did exactly that, brought it forward. They had beautiful times, laughs, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and all kinds of things. It just went well. So there's a lot to be learned there. But um, anyway, <laughs> this isn't just about loss again. It's like this is anything that someone's struggling with. We just have to remember how important it is to be supportive, but not sort of throw ourselves or our thoughts on what a person should be doing at someone else because whoa there's layers to that so let's get into that after the break guys don't go anywhere it's been a while since i've mentioned this but i have a free facebook group called connection beyond struggle for a grieving soulmate um if anybody has a friend family member um you know, themselves, just finding yourself struggling with a really major loss. This group is wonderful. It is supportive. There are weekly coaching and weekly posts. Um, and honestly, I, it's just a group that I've grown to really love. And it is free to join. I will say that you do have to sort of just answer a couple questions, make sure it's the right group for you. And then shortly after, within a week or so, um, hopefully even sooner, but usually within a week, um, I will just accept you into the group if it makes sense and it's a good fit for you. And that's it. So it's really simple. I'm going to put the link to join that group in today's description. And I hope that anybody that needs it checks it out. All right, guys, back to the show. Yeah, so let's get into this. So other people's opinions. Oh, okay. So <laughs> uh, one, I think we all need to get away from texting. Oh, texting. Texting has gotten me in a bit of trouble lately. <laughs> I say everything on my part pretty openly, but I am sarcastic. And also, um, when I say things, I realize this about myself now because when I read it back, I'm like, sometimes if it's been a while and then I read it back, I go, oh, you could have read that two different ways. So that's not good. <laughs> as far as communication goes, you got to be real careful on that because Sometimes people sound judgy. They sound um, like they're telling you what to do. They sound like they're annoyed. They sound like whatever it is. Um, and it wasn't at all the intention. Um, I don't know if I ever told this story. This is like going way back, I guess, end of high school, beginning of college time. I actually wrote a letter to, oh, I think we must have been an ex-boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. But there was still something there, like when we saw each other, we'd sort of reconnect and it, the spark was still there. But uh, I remember I wrote him a letter that I thought was like me pouring my heart out about how I actually really still cared for him. And he read it and thought I was reaming him out. And I was like, what? <laughs> and of course, I didn't have it in front of me anymore to like read. And then I am surprised I even wrote a letter. That's unusual. I don't, I don't know what, how that happened. But um, <laughs> anyway... It was a learning lesson for me because I was like, oh my gosh, the whole point of the letter was to kind of take a step forward and say like, yeah, I don't even know. It was just, I know it was a forward step. 
But then it was received in such a way where it was like, oh my gosh, we need to like, like take a step back. Wow, how two different people could read the same word so differently, right? So my follow-up to that, which actually fixed things quite well, but um, was I, it was three pages, the original letter. So I wrote three pages of basically like all the things that I just loved about this person. Like that was it. It was that, it was just like one word, like nothing deep, deep, just like all these things, these moments, these characteristics, whatever it was that I really adored in him. And I just put it there. Um, no, sorry, that wasn't your phone ringing. That was mine in the background. <laughs> these things happen sometimes. I leave my phone on if my kids are away at a distance and need to be able to reach me but then sometimes it's not always convenient <laughs> but I had to make sure that I uh you know just checked in with it made sure all was good but it is so <laughs> for those of you that all reached for your phone quickly when you heard it you know why because you were wondering who's calling it's just like the text messages that ding it's a dangerous little uh game we play I don't know what it is or or why we are this way but it's like a I think I've heard on the news about it being that dopamine feed or something like when you hear that ding it, it's becoming a real addiction for some people to run to their phone and see what it is um I try really hard not to do that but yeah back to so the the written the second letter it worked but um to really communicate what I needed to but my point being oh written word text doesn't matter whatever it is it is easy to be misread no two people read the same thing the same way. Sorry about my dog. <laughs> I feel like that's just a fact. Like it's just, there's so many interpretations because the inflection in our voices, we communicate with so much more than just what we're saying. It's vital to connect. For me, it's vital connect to connect face to face because I like eye contact. I like being able to read somebody's expression when I say something. Um, and I want them to be able to see mine. I don't love communication via phone in any way. Um, and, and honestly, I'm not even like a huge fan of Zooms and FaceTimes and things where you can still see the person because even then I feel like there's stuff to get lost in translation. So, um, so really the big conversations shouldn't be had in that way, but it's very easy to feel judged or... I don't know what, what the other experiences are that you've had with, you know, advice coming your way and how it feels. But um, this person I was telling you guys about who was like looking into some help for their kiddo, who was an older kid and had just lost his mom, you know, and was it was coming from the, you could tell, the best of places, a parental concern over your child. It's intense. It's, it's worry because there's some sense of responsibility coming out of you where like, I know this is, this is my job to step in and make this okay. But, um, you know, there's a fear-based thing too. We don't want to miss a sign. We don't want things to go too far that they can't take back, you know? Um, and that really like struck a chord for me because I was like, man, I just, I wish there was more I could offer or do. But, but in that situation, when someone's asking like, are there groups, are there supports? Like, what do you suggest? How do I manage this? Oh, I don't know their child. And even the father doesn't really know. Does anybody ever really know another person that well? Like the inner workings? I mean, 
I, my husband and I, 22 years together, and I still feel like most of the time I knew exactly what he was thinking and it wasn't like a big stretch, but years of it before we got there. And even then, who knows? Like, I've heard people in my Facebook group talk about after their person passed, they found out that they had this whole other life. They had another family. They had a, a relationship that was ongoing. Something like that. Like now let's talk about a double hit, right? You just lost your person. Now you found out that you didn't even really have them to begin with. Like that's devastating. And so, yeah, we think we know. We know what we can see. We know what through our own lens. Again, we're not seeing what it is. We're seeing through our lens. Um, you know, even like I, people in relationships will be like, oh, I just saw, you know, my husband check out this girl. And like I was sitting right next to you and I watched them look over at this person. I didn't see any checking out going on. It didn't look like they were vaguely interested other than, oh, here's a person moving past and they caught my eye. So I'm looking at him for a second. Like there was no intention of harm or ill will. But like the person that felt wronged has the right to feel wronged even. It's like a, you know, no one wins here because, you know, I don't think that was actually happening, but she's right to feel that way if it didn't feel good. And yet like, oh my goodness, what is happening? Like it, it comes down to sometimes like trust. I mean, if you think about it this way, if, if somebody was really wanting to share, they're going to pick their trust people. And who are their trust people? I mean, they're usually the people who don't offer a ton in the way of judgment. They just kind of listen, but they listen with a friend ear, not with a like, oh, they're waiting for me to respond and offer some type of help. No, they just need, I mean, at least for me early on, I just needed a sounding board. She needed to complain and have the other person on the other end just agree with me almost. It was like, I'm not here for an argument right now. I'm just here to tell you this sucks. And it was that simple. It was like, this is terrible. And the people that were like, oh, well, maybe you should try getting out or doing this. Oh, I'm not calling you again. You're not my people. <laughs> that was just the state I was in. Now, that's not to say that's an always thing. Sometimes I complain looking for help, looking for solution. And so I have certain people that I reach out when that's my state of mind because I know they're going to offer something for me. But what people need, the only way to know is communication. And that's where we lack often is a good, smooth communication of what do you need? Like, because if it comes off in a way of like, what can I do for you? It's not really helpful. It's more like if you really, truly listen to somebody, you could always say like, there are a couple ways I could go with this. Are you looking for my advice or just, you know, wanting to sound off right now? Cause I can do either, whatever you need. Usually they'll tell you if it's like in that friendship way and you're just like, I don't know how to help you with this right now. Like I can tell you what I might do or like, I don't know. But if you're just telling me to have a place to vent, I'm here to listen. Like that is a lot guys. You have a big power to help people just by offering that. But <laughs> Even still, like I said, if you are not careful and you're doing this in a back and forth in a text way, no matter what, if they're in a bad state of mind, they're going to read what you wrote 
through a bad state of mind lens. So keep that in mind. They're looking, they're not looking for a fight, but they're expecting something that they're going to have to resist. So if they're already there, it's like, whoa, you know, um, in a second, like you've triggered them. Now they're triggering you. Now it's a big thing. And now we've got a whole nother layer of stress on what was already bugging people. Like that, it's just not a good way. And this isn't just the anti-text pod cast. You know, that wasn't my intention to say, Hey, you watch what you say in a text. It's just to say that I think we need to connect more as people in a face-to-face environment. And if that can't happen because of distance, because of circumstances, then at least your voice, it helps. Um, And I will say this, like, I don't love a phone call anymore. I don't know what that is, but like this stage of my life, I don't love hopping on the phone. There are rare instances where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is getting so twisted up. We just need to talk. Um, But for the most part, I will use, I don't know what type of phone you all have, but... um, at least on my iPhone, there is a little, and I didn't realize this because before some updates, it used to just be like a little, like within the text box, you would hit it and you could talk and make a voice message. I'm pretty sure. Or it could have been that I used to do that on Messenger. That might have been the case. Either way, um, in recent updates, they added like, I don't know, you know, underneath where there's the GIFs and the um, all the different like stickers you can use and all that. If you keep scanning over, there's a little blue one. Anyway, um, that might have changed by the time you hear this podcast, so I don't know. But just check your phone or Google it, whatever. But where you could actually hit the button and tap it and leave a voice-recorded message. So it's like, if I know I'm going to be texting you two paragraphs and it's hard-hitting or you know a touchy thing or I want to make sure you hear my voice or we connect emotionally you know where I'm coming from or whatever I will use that because hearing someone's voice is so different and the response is always so much better because they heard me they didn't hear them they didn't read it through their lens and then you know make their own interpretations it was there it was said and it's helped me it's a powerful thing Um, just something to consider for all of you who are like dealing with touchy things with family members and stuff. It's a nice way. And it's a nice way to, I mean, this is going to sound terrible, but like sometimes in a phone message, I'm an interrupter by nature, French family, just that's how we communicate, which is kind of weird, but it's like we cut each other off. We're, we're communicating, we're back and forth batting things. That's not for everybody. My husband always used to say, I had to take a step back. I felt like you were interrupting me and I'm like, oh gosh, sorry. It's just how I got used to talking or you never get a word in in my family. So I, that's how we talk. And that's how we know the other person's engaged in what we're saying. So I know I've talked about this before, but anyway, um, where the heck was I going with that? (laughs) My dog. I don't know. (laughs) Didn't it sound like he was like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I do know. I remember what I was saying. (laughs) So what I was going to say is, It is also a nice way when you have something that really needs to get out, but you're afraid that the back and forth might get in the way and you might not be able to finish. Jeez, doggo. (laughs) You might not be able to finish the entirety of your thought um, and it really all needs to be said. Or you want to make sure that like you're not thinking or listening too hard to how the person's responding that you're just able to get it all off your chest. Sometimes that's nice because it's just a one-way talk. 
you say your piece and then you send it and then they can say their piece back and you can take a minute and absorb it and then you know it's like it takes it slows things down a little and takes some of that heated emotion out of it you know you can just say the things you know you need to say um yeah so these are just different methods that i've dabbled with to try to get communication a little smoother but the non-communicators of the world please hear me on this i don't know if you're trying to spare the long conversations or avoid deep stuff or whatever your reasoning is for like not wanting the back and forth or not reaching out or not speaking your mind is there are people like me in this world many of them <laughs> who fill in the blanks if you leave blanks if you don't reach out if you don't communicate they're gonna try to figure out what you need and want based on their own interpretation so you know it's really important that telling people how you need the support letting people know when something offends you letting people know if um, you know you need space or you want more or you need whatever we gotta get a little stronger with our sense of like knowing that we should be able to get what we deserve you know like if there is something that is like a necessity for you and you're not receiving it you need to be comfortable in your own skin to communicate hey I need a little more of this whatever it is just say it um, I don't know why why we're all I think we are worried because everybody's so sensitive and no one wants to rock the boat on well, better to just say nothing it's not and most often it's those unsaid things that lead to conflict so if you can just smash that and and be real open and honest with the people around you what you need for support what you don't need how you know how much is too much and when does it feel kind of icky you don't have to be offensive in the way you talk you can be really kind and still say, I love, like, try start with a compliment. Like, I love your support and I'm grateful for it. But when you come at me like that, it feels aggressive. Or when you suggest I do something, then it makes me think that, you know, you don't think I'm doing well on my own or whatever it is. And you'd be surprised, like, what they might say back could be startling. It could be like, whoa, I never even thought of it that way. Um... <laughs> I've heard all kinds of different things, but um, even eye contact, somebody looking away from you, you could take that as disinterest in what you're saying when it could be something totally opposite. It could be like, you know, that I was really trying to think deeply on what you were saying and so I was like trying to focus on the words and not, I don't know, whatever it is, you just gotta put it out there. Um, don't let things just fall as they may hope for the best it almost always is like then you're gonna have to dig out again it's like now we got more stuff to have to talk through later it's more heated because we're annoyed or we're feeling unheard or judged or you know and all that and I mean in the way of counseling the only way to know is to try it and if anybody who's been through it I would imagine that every single counselor is so different that if you didn't gel with one, maybe you try another one, two, three, before you get to the point of like, this is just not for me. Maybe you try that um, and different approaches. My goodness, when you start, I did a blog on this a while back on my canyoucancer.com um, website. So there might be, a, it's still there, I'm sure, about how to, um, is it? I don't know, I feel like, yeah, there was definitely, I definitely did a blog article on this because I was talking about how to find the right type and it's hard. I, I had no idea within the counseling sort of 
umbrella, you know, whether there's a psychologist, a, um, psych, like psychiatric work, like the um, counselors and the, um, I don't, there's so many titles with such a subtle differences and some with major differences, some prescribe, some don't, some do certain types of treatments and others don't. Um, it's wild. Like it is wild. So if one method didn't work, there's so many others. Um, there's so many others that I would say just don't keep, don't stop turning over rocks, you know? Um, but also don't force your people to keep trying and trying and trying different methods. Cause if they're getting a little exhausted with it, sometimes just allowing things to settle a little, you know, and you got to develop a trust and know that like, like, let them know I'm here for you, but please just let me know if you're getting to that point. Like, I want to be your first call. Like, I want you to let me know, okay, I'm, I like can't do it anymore. Like, I need you to tell me that so I can, then we can figure something out. Like, I'll give you all the space you need, but if you're feeling like you need something, things are feeling a little crazy or stressful, like, let's work on it. And that's, I mean, that's what I've done with my kids in large part with their grief, because obviously you know, being seven and 10 years old, when you lose your parent, that's heavy. And, um, yeah, we, we went through like, what do we do now? Who do we talk to? And I know I talked in earlier podcast episodes about this. My kids were really strong, real strong on, I don't want to talk to anybody but you, God, dad, because they were praying. Um, you know, and like they knew their people they had, they knew the avenues at school they could reach out. They knew friends and family and every person that was available to them. And they promised me that if it ever felt like they're sad, they're just feeling sad. And it's more than just like, Hey mom, let's go watch some videos of dad or hang out and talk about him or do something he loved. Like, it's like, that's not working. It still feels heavy today. And I need to talk about it. Like they would tell me that. And because my kids were great communicators and never stopped talking about it, told me their emotions of the day, come sit on my lap and tell me when they're missing him, all that stuff. I was able to feel safe and secure with where they were at. They didn't have any major changes and stuff um, going on. Like everything, it was an easier choice for me. But from an outsider's point of view, looking in, any kid who loses a parent should speak to a counselor. And so, you know, we went, we went through it and I did have to communicate with friends and family. Like I do have this. I know it sounds like, like I should be doing more. I promise you I'm paying attention to all the signs. I'm looking for every possible indication, but at the beginning, any, um, forced treatment therapy, talking to somebody or whatever, um, would have been a complete and total distrust of me from them. They would have retreated so far inside because they had communicated their clear decision on whether or not they wanted, you know, to, to have that or not. And then if, if I just forced it on them, then no, it would have not have been well received. I know this, this isn't even like a question to me. Um, and so I, the closer you are to someone, the more you know that, whether or not it's going to be received well, whether or not it's, you know, trust your gut is what I'm saying. Like, 
you're not wrong. If, if there's something coming up in the back of your mind going, oh, I think they need more help, you're not wrong. It's just what do you do next with that information? How do you deliver the information? How do you make sure that, you know, it's just received in the best possible light? And, um, and it can't be this hard, aggressive intervention style, I don't think, with most people. Um, that's a real... That's it. Think about it. Be on the other end of that for a second. Like, it feels real intrusive and aggressive. And that is a hard thing to undo once you've been there once with somebody because it feels like a lack of boundaries. Like, it was just, like, you don't trust me to to do this. And that's hard, guys. Like, we got to be kind. <laughs> and on oh, both ends, you know? So heavy topic today, but, um, just to me anyway, I feel like the main point I want to get across, I mean, is the topic of today. It's, you know, try walking a mile in my shoes. It's, we got to think like in an empathetic way, you know, think as though you are the other person. And it's not always going to be the answer guys, because our empathy goes to where our desires are so the communication is just so key because you can't know what someone else needs unless you ask so we gotta get talking (laughs) all right guys i'm so appreciative for all my listeners guys please subscribe and follow if you like this so you don't miss further ones and it can support me to keep me going um but i'm grateful to have you here all right have a great week guys